Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Alrighty, welcome to the South Slab Podcast brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network and AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. We're almost there. We are almost at the regular season. But there is, incidentally, a little bit of news, so we're going to talk about that, and we are going to look at the big picture ahead of the 23-24 Celtics season. I'm Cameron Tepetabai. I'm joined by Alex Goldberg and Dr. Justin Quinn, and I'm going to welcome in our guest, from The Gambler with Adam Kaufman and the Celtics Speed Podcast, we welcome in Adam Kaufman. Adam, what's up? Hello, fellas. Um, I'm going to embarrass Adam off the jump. Not only does he have yeah. one of the best backdrops in the podcasting game, Adam, you have such a radio voice. I'm so jealous. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, I listen, I uh, just just lucky, I guess. I wish I could tell you I've, I've spent all this time, you know, honing the craft and all of that uh, when, when it comes to how to properly articulate and yada, yada, yada. I mean, I went to Syracuse, so I guess they, you know, they took me for a reason. Maybe, maybe that's the only reason, but I was, uh, I was lucky enough to go there and, and now, you know, people are crazy enough to pay me to talk. So I'm into it. I sound like echoey as reclined. So I'm just doing what I can. Anyways, um, Adam, you were also a talented reporter and we'll get to that later in the episode. Um, Alex, Justin, hello. How are you? Hello, we are alive uh, in the city that never <laughs> sleeps. I am not sleeping a whole lot these days uh, with all of the chaos that comes with new jobs and, well, everything else that comes with that. But um, I'm doing okay. There are other fun, exciting things to not sleep about. So, <laughs> Speaking of which, Divine Sweater, the music from The, the Jump, they're on tour this fall. Check it out. Dr. Quinn, how's Max? That's right. I went to a gym for the first time since the start of the pandemic. Uh, I've been working out, you know, here, as you can see. But, uh, ow, stuff hurts in weird places. <laughs> Sounds like you need to supplement your nutrition with AG1, one of the presenting sponsors of this podcast. Okay. Nice. Good Thank plug. You. That's how you move the product, baby. All right. That's we're going to talk about last minute roster tweaks for the Boston Celtics. We're going to talk about rumors that uh, may have some smoke behind them. I don't know. And then in the lab portion of the programming, we will talk about unanswered questions as the season tips off soon. Training camp and media day are just around the corner. So, Mr. Kaufman, since we last had an episode, Lamar Stevens was signed to uh, the Celtics regular season roster. I'll ask you about Stevens, but also just, is there anyone on the deeper Celtics bench that you have your eye on? So it's kind of funny too. I don't know if you guys had the same reaction. I, I tweeted this out, or or I don't know. What do we say now? That is it Twitter? Is it X? Do I, I, just I, say I, Twitter. I, I X this out? I mean, that's like crossing. I don't know. That doesn't make much sense. I I put out there on some social media platform when the Celtics sent out that release. You know, the headline was Celtics signed Stevens, and my first reaction for a millisecond because i'd completely forgotten about lamar stevens like his whole <laughs> existence was off my radar and i was like oh brad just got another extension good for him well deserved and it was like oh no it's lamar stevens so uh maybe at some point in time brad will get another extension i i have to imagine that uh, he's deserving of one if he wants to stick around as it would seem like he does then maybe that's in the offing however many months or years from now i'm not even sure what he has left on his current contract but Doing a hell of a job, including this offseason, trying to better this team, obviously. And uh, Lamar Stevens, I, I think it's a good fit. I mean, let's not make sort of more of the player or more of the role than there is, right? I mean, he's a good defensive-minded wing who is going to be on the back end of the roster, back half of the roster. Don't expect to see him play very many minutes. There are definitely going to be games where he doesn't play at all. One concern that my uh, co-host Evan Valenti brought up on Celtics Speed, because as it just 
randomly turned out that signing was announced right in the middle of us recording a show a few days ago. And so we got to kind of react to it on the fly. But as we know, the Lamar Stevens workout and TJ Warren and guys like that, it, it had been rumored for a little while. So it wasn't like any of us were caught totally off guard by it. The initial reaction that Evan had, which I, I had was, I, I think it was a good one was, you know, Great. So long as this doesn't completely take away from Jordan Walsh, because I, I think there were a lot of people that were pretty reasonably excited about the Walsh signing, especially kind of riding the summer league high and, and what he was able to do there against, albeit much inferior competition compared to what he's going to see at the you know professional level on a nightly basis. But you want to be able to grow your own guys, grow your prospects. You know, this is sort of been an organizational problem when it comes to guys who are drafted really outside of the top 10. You know, Jalen Brown obviously got an opportunity. Jason Tatum got an opportunity. Marcus Smart got an opportunity. Uh, you know, Rob Williams, uh, I guess, will be an exception because, you know, he was late first round, but he certainly got an opportunity. But when you think about guys like Peyton Pritchard or Sam Hauser or, you know, so many that have kind of come and gone in recent years that are drafted back back into the lottery or or beyond you know right on through late first round second round whatever takes them a while to really kind of earn the trust of whomever the coach is or just sort of get thrown into the fire and it seemed like jd davison you know maybe another guy who could have a role this year because they're a little bit thinner at guard it seemed like jordan walsh was someone who was going to get a chance out of the gate and maybe he will, but I do think Lamar Stevens gets in his way a little bit. That being said, you can't have too many good defenders. I think we've learned that the hard way watching the Celtics in recent years, recent, you know, pivotal moments where they've needed one. And so I think he's going to be a good fit. Yeah. I, I agree with everything that you're saying. I guess it occurs to me that like, as much as I think Sam Hauser is probably a better defender than uh, consensus, at least, you know, you have a backup there if you just really want a defensive wing or if Sam Hauser ends up on the move. Um, so it's just like another tool in the toolbox, I suppose. Um, Dr. Quinn, uh, catch me up on how many slots are left on this roster because I'm sure some people listening are thinking, well, what about Blake Griffin? Well, none are four, basically, because there are no open roster spots, but there are four non-guaranteed or partially guaranteed contracts in Luke, Delano Banton, uh, Mr. Stevens, and who am I forgetting? There's one more. Anyone? No. I was thinking of Banton. That was the first one that popped into my head. But I know yeah. you're right. I know you're right. Sweet. Sweet. Sweet Mikhail you. So let's not forget that that's why we have training camp. Um, and the story has always been for the Blake loyalists. He's not going to training camp. So you never know. Um, let's keep it moving because – we have bigger fish to fry, I think. Um, I certainly hope, uh, I'm going to tip my hand right away. I'm, cer I'm certainly hoping this is not a fish we need to fry, but the hmm. rumbles of Damian Lillard ending up on the East Coast persist. And according to some sports books that I won't name check, uh, Boston is in the mix. Um, Adam, and then Alex, I'll get you in here with that. Adam first. Fair or foul is Boston at all in this damn stuff? I don't think so. I, I don't think so. I And I haven't thought so for quite a while. I mean, maybe before Jalen Brown got his new deal and, and I don't know, we could have talked about a sign and trade at the time or something like that. But I, I just, I don't see it. I don't see what on Boston's roster makes sense for Portland, you know, how the money works in a way that's logical for both teams. You know, obviously I'm, Damian Lillard's a hell of a player. There's there's no discounting that, and and any organization would love to have him as uh, another star, be it as a one or a one B or whatever. But yeah, I mean the the short answer here is I just don't see how it happens, and I think that this is one of those. I don't know where there's smoke, there's fire. And there's, you know, the, as it relates to the Miami heat, it's, it's been a freaking wildfire. So it feels like if he's going anywhere, it's Miami. Otherwise he's staying put. Um, Alex, I know you have strong takes here on why Boston shouldn't be part of this, um, but you also have strong takes that maybe no team should be part of this. So let it rip. All right. So here's my thing about the Damian Lillard Boston connection. Um, if you look at all of the moves that Brad Stevens has made since he took over the Boston Celtics front office, um, what on earth 
about those moves makes you think that Damian Lillard is part of these plans. Brad Stevens has been relentlessly committed to like a couple of specific things as part of his team building identity, size, defense, guards at the one and two position who are more guys that bring the ball up and settle the offense for Jason Tatum, not high usage, not high volume shooters. None of these things fit Damian Lillard. Okay, let's pause the action and talk about our friends over at FanDuel, where you can snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get into the action. There's spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. I think anyone who has been watching the NFL season knows that it has been an exciting one. Um, Bobby, you dialed into NFL 30 seconds on the season. A tough break for Aaron Rodgers, and that still hangs over at the start of this whole campaign, but the Cowboys look incredible, and I'm not enamored by the lack of weapons the Chiefs have, so I think the Super Bowl is up for grabs. Yeah, people were trying to tell me the Lions were going to be good this season. Uh, I don't think the Lions are very good. I don't know anything about football. They're never good. (laughs) Yeah. They might be back, Justin. Mm, I don't know about that one. (laughs) Anyways... Uh, there's a lot of action to get in on, so visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older in Massachusetts. First online real money wager only and a $10 first deposit is required. Bonuses are issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at FanDuel.Fanduel. Sportsbook.Fanduel.com. Hope is here. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5054-247 support. Play it smart from the start. Go to gamesensema.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. He is also looking to get the roster, I think, fitting the timeline of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Damian Lillard is older. He's going to be expensive. In general, the fit just isn't there at all. If you look at the way that Brad Stevens has built this roster, it just doesn't make any sense why they would go after Damian Lillard. As far as Damian Lillard generally goes, listen, I'm not going to go out here and say that like Damian Lillard is not an, a value-added player. He very clearly is. He's a great basketball player and has been for a long time. But A team like the Miami Heat, to me, makes a lot of sense for Lillard. Why? Well, Jimmy Butler is aging into a period of, uh, like, the kind of twilight of his contending phase. Um, A team like, you know, they're never going to be able to do it, but, like, the Los Angeles Lakers would make sense as a Damian Lillard destination. Anyone that has a core that needs to win right now and doesn't have much wiggle room should be all in on Damian Lillard. The Bucks. I am shocked that we haven't heard more about the Bucks going all in for Damian Lillard. Frankly, that to me feels like a very obvious fit. But uh, the Boston Celtics, their window is as big as Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown's primes. Those guys have got plenty of juice left in the tank. And to hitch that to an aging superstar who plays at a position where the drop-off is incredibly steep and happens really fast and to pay that dude the amount of money that they're going to have to pay him to keep him even marginally happy in Boston just really doesn't make any sense. I've seen the Raptors buzz as well. To me, I get why the Raptors are doing that, particularly because Masai Ujiri is not a guy who likes to be losing for long periods of time. Personally, I'm not sure I see it. I don't feel like that's a particularly like fearsome team. It might be better than last year's. In general, though, I guess my broader point is that there are like four or five teams that make a lot of sense for Damian Lillard, and none of them really have the characteristic that Boston does. So I've never bought this rumor. I've never thought it was even close to happening unless they were getting him in a fleecing, and even then the money just doesn't quite work. I'm, I'm not buying. But other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, the play was great. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think one of the common denominators there, too, I mean, not so much Toronto necessarily or Milwaukee, but certainly Miami and the Lakers. You're talking about desperate franchises, you know, Pat Riley, who very much wants to win again. The Lakers who want to win at all costs, whether it's to keep LeBron happy and there or to, you know, get another title in the in the arms race with the Celtics that the Lakers, you know, will will never let go up to the point where they're counting 
championships from another city that they didn't even acknowledge until not too long ago. So it's, you know, Boston doesn't fall into that category. Now, once upon a time, obviously the Celtics did and not too, you know, not, not, not in the too distant past when, you know, they went out and did what they did in, in 07 to acquire Garnett and Allen and, and some of the moves they've made since even kind of an element of the Kyrie Irving trade. But now you have obviously, as Alex said, between Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, two guys that, you know, I think people forget, you know, when guys have been around a while and they're young in this load management era. And, and I don't, there, I feel like there's people can kind of confuse sports to some degree. Like if, if you're talking about the NFL, let's say, you know, 22, 23, 24, 25, like these are very much your prime years at most positions. If you're a quarterback, maybe not, you know, maybe when you get closer to 28 to your early to mid thirties, something like that, because you can't even hit the guy anymore with the rule changes. But in the NBA, your prime years really don't begin until you're 26, 27, 28, even. So these guys aren't even there yet. They're not even there yet. So as long as you put a, a good contending caliber team around those guys, you get the right pieces around those guys. You figure out what the hell your identity is going to be, whether it's more offensive, more defensive, or some kind of blend that they started to kind of figure out in the latter part of last year. That's what matters. And I, I think it takes a lot to disrupt what they have going on. That being said, I think it took a lot for them to even move on from Marcus Smart, let alone make something of of a, a seismic kind of change, like bringing in a Damian Lillard type or all of the many names that have been attached more often than not for Jalen Brown and trade talks. That is fair. The only thing I'll push back on there is that Christoph Porzingis is 27. <laughs> exactly. He's entering his prime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kaufman, I'm so there with you on this. The the Jays have been too young thing. Um, I feel like I've brought it up so much <laughs> that it's like approaching ad nauseum, but I think that that's so, so apt. Um, for the YouTube crowd, if anyone has like a kindergartner at home, they tell the kids instead of shouting out, me too, me too, they do this like little hand gesture. Yeah. So I'm giving you right. one of those. Yeah. Which is funny because then the kids just like freak out and <laughs> they do it. But um, yeah, me too, man. Totally with you. All right, a little bit of news, and then we're going to hop into the biggest questions uh, of the season ahead. And obviously, we've buried the lead. we got to talk to Kaufman about this Brogdon stuff. So, Dr. Quinn, um, Jordan Walsh, who, by all accounts, just like a charming young man, um, he was at a court dedication with the Celtics uh, late last week. He talked about his relationship with Derek White. He talked about Al Horford. He talked about a few other things. What were some of the highlights? Well, I think one of the most interesting things was his admission that he has been guarding Derek at the point, which uh, says something for his development, but also maybe gives us a hint. Uh, we're pretty sure that Derek is going to be running the point this season, but there's more confirmation. Uh, also, one of the things he, he mentioned in terms of who was not at camp, uh, obviously he's not going to know that Blake Griffin necessarily is not definitely coming back, or maybe he has heard that he might come back. Who knows? There might be something there. But the more interesting thing is that Brogdon is not in camp yet either. He's the last person not in camp. That means something. What it means, who knows? Hmm. I don't think we've ever had a better segue to the lab portion of the programming. So everyone, <laughs> put on your safety goggles, put on your gloves. We're going to hop into the lab. And this time around with Mr. Kaufman, we're going to look at the biggest questions, not just heading into the season, but that will loom large. Uh, for the 23-24 Celtics, or we think they will anyways. And we're going to start with Malcolm Brogdon. Um, I was at a wedding that <laughs> felt long, so this could have been two days ago, could have been last week. I'm going to be honest, I don't remember. But Kaufman, uh, you had a scoop that Brogdon uh, may in fact be traded by the Boston Celtics, and that comes alongside reports that he is, I think the word that uh, Gary Washburn of the Boston Globe used was pissed. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's the direct quote. So Reportedly, Brogdon was unhappy, and according to our own Mr. Kaufman, uh, the Celtics maybe are looking to make a move. Adam, uh, what do you know? What do you think you know? And what do you suspect will happen next? So I, I think when it comes to Malcolm Brogdon, honestly, there's a lot that we don't know. And what I mean by that is, you know, like Gary had made the comment on my show that he's, you know, 
Brogdon was pissed with respect to being included in trade talks and even almost traded to the Clippers. And, you know, who could blame him, right? Yeah, I right. mean, you're around for one year, you signed a multi-year deal, you win defensive player of the year, you believe that you're a part of the core going forward and you're trying to chase a championship and then you're included in trade talks. So that would irk anybody. But I, you know, I pushed back and I said, okay, but is he still pissed? You know, was he pissed versus is he pissed? These are two very different questions, obviously, because that happened, you know, two months ago that he could have been like he, he Malcolm Brogdon is he has a role in the players, organ, you know, players association. He is a, a veteran guy who's played for multiple teams. He gets the business right. He's been around the block. So he is certainly someone who can be pissed in the moment and just sort of say, all right, well, this this is just how it works. But, you know, now it's behind us, full steam ahead, onto the season. And then, of course, you have the Ramona Shelburne comments that, well, he was pissed about the way the Celtics handled his injury. That part doesn't even make a lick of sense to me because, you know, they didn't even completely really shut him down. He got hurt late in the playoffs. And at that point in time, yeah, you, you managed his minutes because – you didn't want a liability out there on the floor, which honestly he kind of had turned into before he got hurt in the first place, be it defensively or offensively when his shot disappeared. He was not the player, you know, other than some random games, you know, where he played well. He was not the player down the stretch that he was throughout much of the regular season. So if he was ticked about that, I don't really understand it because what's your goal? Is your goal minutes and staying on the floor or is your goal a championship? And what's best for the team is just the way you need to operate moving forward, especially if you're a veteran and you've been around for a while and you've already sort of taken the humble pie, albeit going in, of I'm the sixth man. I'm not starting. I'm not a guy who's averaging 20 points anymore. I'm taking a modified role for the betterment of the team. Like He said all the right things to his credit throughout the entire regular season and from the moment that they brought him in. I think if you were to have a concern right now, or at least this lack of clarity where many of us keep saying, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, is I find it a little weird, especially when he is rehabbing from an injury that almost required surgery that unless we don't know about it possible right we don't have pictures of every guy who steps through the door at the hour back center but has he shunned the organization has he not been around the entire offseason rehabbing that injury with any team personnel at all if that's the case and i don't mean necessarily in boston maybe team doctors or or training staff people went to him wherever he is that's fine when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But if there's been virtually no com contact or collaboration between Brogdon and the team in the offseason, that to me would be hugely alarming. But again, we don't know that to be the case. Brad Stevens was a little cagey when he was asked about Malcolm Brogdon, didn't say much. Adam Himmelsbach had the uh, article in the paper the other day, and the way that he wrote it was more or less, you know, like I've, I've heard from my sources, the Celtics are no more likely to trade Malcolm Brogdon than they are any other player. Okay, well, that that right there, you know, that should tell you everything you need to know, which is if the right deal came along, he's absolutely on the trade block. You know, it's not, he's not on the block like he would write, like Himmelsbach would say about Tatum or Brown, these guys are not being traded. Mm -hmm. Brogdon being available as much as any other guy being available basically tells you, all right, the Celtics may not be actively shopping him, but they are certainly listening if something comes along that they find to be a good opportunity for them. Where I'm a little, I don't know, confused, I guess, is if Brogdon were to be traded, I think we can all agree, well, you got to get a guard. You can't just move him now for anything kind of the way you could move him or Smart at the time for Porzingis. You're, you're thin at guard as it is. So if you move Malcolm Brogdon, you need a guard. And so, you know, to kind of go full circle with what you asked, 
you know, I, I have certainly, as I put it on the podcast, you know, when we were doing our show, I've, I've heard, you know, whispers that, that, that is still a conversation that is taking place. That is not me saying he's definitely going to be traded. Uh, you know, and, and I never claim to say that, you know, in a, like, you know, sources, Malcolm, you know, Celtics are quietly shopping Malcolm Brogdon. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, I don't think it is a done deal that Malcolm Brogdon is a Celtic when the season starts. And I don't think that should surprise anybody based on what we've heard about him and surrounding him for months at this point. All I will say, sorry, uh, all I'll say about the Malcolm Brogdon situation is that Buddy Heald failed to negotiate a contract extension with the Indiana Pacers and Daniel Mm -hmm. Tice sitting right there, folks. Yep. (laughs) Send think, him right back where he was. Exactly. Back to Indy. I think people need to be prepared for a lot of things to come out of the blue under this new cap regime because teams are going to be looking to move salary in anticipation of whatever they think their future is. And it's not necessarily going to be public knowledge. Like none of us saw this Buddy Heald thing coming as an example. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see a lot of that, particularly at the deadline once teams realize that they are not, in fact, in the running for a deep playoff push. And also the uh, a lot of extension deadlines run, you know, until the beginning of the regular season. So to your point, Dr. Quinn, like teams might really not have a sense of where their books are at. Yeah, Kaufman, I think you're right. Um, let's let's shelve the postseason performance because if he had golfer's elbow or whatever, maybe it's unfair to judge him. He was a sixth man of the year. He's a really good player. And the thought experiment of like, okay, then what guard do you bring in to replace him? As easier said than done. I am Buddy Healed curious, but he's on an expiring contract. He's not a playmaker in the same way. Um, that extra $3 million in salary wiggle room is kind of nice, but I don't know. Um, yeah, Dr. Quinn, to your point, I think things are going to move a little quicker and more surprisingly, but we will see. Adam, just quickly, I know that you, you're an accomplished reporter, that you know what you're doing here, but... Uh, what was it like this pa- the past few days to be in the nexus of aggregation hell? Because um, oh. uh, it, I mean, it's well, just people get it wrong. I mean, you are a delicate sure. re- reporter, like good reporters are, and then the system is not so careful. Um, yeah. Do you laugh? Do you feel embarrassed? Do you reach out to people to smooth things over? Like, what's your experience been like? No, no, I mean, not. I don't reach out to anybody. If anybody reaches out to me, then, then that's fine. We'll have a conversation about it. My, um, as it, the way that I sort of think about it in, in some ways, it's, it's not about me. It's about sort of the platform. And what I mean by that is, you know, the only thing that was kind of driving me nuts, uh, less about the comments that I made about Brockton, this past show, the show before when Gary came on and made the comments that really sort of set the world on fire, you know, far more than, anything i said you know they're talking about him on on the local tv networks there was a segment on espn it's on you know like everywhere like he was getting aggravated like or not aggravated aggregated like crazy and what was uh what was kind of driving me nuts was you know i we just live in this kind of wild wild west of of content where you know, you guys, I'm sure have seen it off of something that either one of you said, or someone said on your show, when you guys have had, you know, player interviews or executives or whatever else, someone says something, it makes headlines and there's no attribution, you know, like that's, that's what get, like, I don't need, it doesn't need to be on like, you know, Adam Kaufman's Celtics beat, whatever. I don't care about that. But like, if, if you're going to say like Washburn said something, could we at least say that Washburn said it on Celtics beat? Like that would be nice, you know, just to, you know, pull a, who knows what pulls a couple more subscribers our way. You know what I mean? So that's, that's sort of the thing that I think about more than anything. I don't care what like my name is associated with specifically uh, or whether, you know, like NBA central sends out a tweet that quotes me and that, but like linked to something, you know what I mean? That's, that's the only thing that, that I care about is let's, you know, let's plug the, wherever it happened uh if i don't know if i'm making sense no totally adam if you have any clickbait that you want to drop uh, on this episode <laughs> of celtics lab feel free yeah. to go right ahead yeah, no, yeah nothing that's uh immediately coming to mind although we were talking about you know obviously brogdon and sort of this team going forward a, a 
something that I don't know. I don't know if it'll come up on on one of our Celtics beat shows, but a uh, since I'm talking to you guys first, a uh, a buddy of mine posed a question just about sort of the way this team will play this coming season. I thought it was really interesting. We had a whole back and forth over text about it, which was, so I'm a believer. I don't know if you guys are that Peyton Pritchard is, is going to have a huge role on this team. I felt this way since the, the moment they traded, you know, a guard, obviously it was smart. I would have preferred Brogdon, but as soon as a guard was out the window, it was okay. Now you're going to really like, they're almost forced to pay play, Peyton Pritchard short of going out and acquiring a guy and I think Peyton Pritchard's going to average 20 to 25 minutes a game and so the question that my buddy asked me was you know gun to your head if who has the the better three-point percentage this year is it Peyton Pritchard or is it Malcolm Brogdon because that's one thing and we talked about this a lot on our show I don't know if you guys have spent much time on it but I think that everyone who looks at Brogdon's year last year and just sort of leans into the sixth man of the year thing which is fine like it's well deserving he, he won the award good for him but it was really an anomaly of a year for him in that the thing that put him over the top not for the award but in terms of being a a positive net contributor for boston was he shot 40 some odd percent from three point yeah. range which was <laughs> such a statistical anomaly for him that I refuse to believe, and I would love to be wrong, but I refuse to believe that's going to happen again this year. He's going to take no a way. step back in terms of the three-point shot, and if he does, then the whole player that we watched last year is going to be wildly different and less productive. Wildly. It's not even going to be close. So I actually do think Peyton Pritchard is going to be better than Malcolm Brogdon this coming season, which could well, be really interesting for this team. That's that is exactly what I was hoping for, Adam. Great job, <laughs> excellent clickbait, nice work. <laughs> That's pretty spicy. I like that. Um, I can't off the cuff refute it. I, I mean, I, I, I am hopeful. I mean, let's close the loop on the Brogdon thing quickly. I, I guess as a way of answering this. Um, to your point, Brogdon is a professional. If so, I'm a high school teacher during the day, so I also agree. You should cite your sources. Um, <laughs> if, you know, in June, my department head or principal was like, hey, great job. You were sixth teacher of the year or some crap. I don't know. By the nice. way, you might you might have to teach in Los Angeles next year. I'd be like, hey, thanks, I guess. I You know, I might be a little cagey. I might spend a few months sorting myself out. But when push comes to shove, I suspect Brogdon will show up. Maybe it's a little sour grapes to not correspond with the team or to not try to make nice with a fluffy interview or whatever but he doesn't owe anyone that and the same way the team doesn't owe him much either that's how the business 2.5 million dollars and a spot on the contending team is not a bad situation to be in even if you are kind of angry yeah a little steeper than my teacher salary if we're being honest <laughs> so mildly uh, if um brogdon shows up i suspect he'll be a professional and i suspect he'll know kaufman exactly what you're saying is true I really hope that he can lean into being a bit more of a playmaker. Um, I think he was kind of an anxious playmaker and kind of down the stretch, it seemed like he was calling his own number in a way that was a little surprising. I don't know. It's hard. Pritchard wants a spot so bad. He wants minutes so bad. And sometimes that shows up in his play as well. So I think both of them need a real opportunity and something like a real role, because if say Pritchard gets many more Brogdon's minutes, maybe Brogdon flounders. Um, if the opposite happens and Pritchard is on the shelf more often than not, maybe he doesn't look so good. So I bet Pritchard will have a nice role so that the jazz can plausibly trade for him in February. Anyways, uh, our showrunner is telling us to keep it moving. Speaking of things that we don't know anything about, Chris Stapp's Porzingis plays for the Boston Celtics. That's pretty <laughs> wild. Let's hope against hope that he'll stay uh healthy but be realistic you know that there will be you know some issues along the way but let's assume health for now the plantar fasciitis looks okay he's not gonna tear his acl third time i don't think <laughs> knock on wood okay yeah if everyone finds something wood in it knock on it um adam i'll start with you and then i'll go around the horn because this is a biggie how does he fit in with this team 
I think the fit is is going to be good. It should be good. I mean, I I do believe in in Brad. It's I don't know if it's it's like the old Bill Belichick and in Bill we trust kind of thing. I don't know if it's in Brad we trust, but I I don't know if people I, still trust Bill. Well, I, as a GM, they shouldn't. But that should have stopped a long time ago. That's not new. Uh, that that was pre Brady leaving. Uh, as, as far as Porzingis, I think the the fit is natural. Both ends of the floor for sure. You know, you get yourself a a legitimate scoring big and a, a floor stretcher and a, a creative offensive player. We've been talking about him as a unicorn for his entire career. I'm not sure he's still that guy that he once was, but uh, he's, you know, you're not looking for him to be what he was with the Knicks once upon a time, or, or even, mm-hmm. you know, Dallas to a, to a degree playing along Luca, you're looking for him to be your number three. You know, he is your third scoring option. He's not someone who needs to average 20 points or anything like that. You know, you're not looking at this is like when when the Celtics totally different player. But I remember when the Celtics signed Al Horford and yeah. everyone who is not really an NBA fan, but just got excited about Al Horford, thought they were acquiring this 2010 guy. And it's like, yeah, no, he's like a 15, eight guy. And if he gives you more than that. Awesome. But don't expect more than that. That's not who he is. Chris Tapps Porzingis is not someone now who is going to average 25 points a game, especially playing alongside Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And you don't need him to, it's not, it's not the same, but sort of in the way that, you know, Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen and Paul Pierce all individually had to kind of take a step back in order to all fit together and chase that common goal together. That's different in that those guys were veterans. They'd accomplished everything individually. That was the only thing missing. Brown and Tatum are still so young. They're going to get theirs. And it's really Porzingis who has to fall back and blend in, Mm -hmm. make their lives easier, but he will. He's prepared to the, the biggest question. It was the question, the second they acquired him. And it's going to be the question until the end of his time with the Boston Celtics is how much can he stay on the floor? How many games is he going to be available? And everyone wants to just sort of retreat to if they hadn't sat him at the end of the year, he could have played 70 plus games for Washington, but they didn't need him. So they sat fine. It's like when they acquired Brogdon last year, are we getting 60, 65 games out of this guy? Or is he going to be limited to, you know, 40 to 50 because it's just different you know you've got an entire front court of guys who are unpredictable in terms of the amount they're going to be on the floor whether it's age and load management for Horford potential injury obviously Williams can't stay healthy Porzingis can't stay healthy and that is who you're leaning on it's the three of these guys there's there's nobody else you know that's and even if they got like a Blake Griffin back cool (laughs) i mean what what's blake gonna give you so it's it's this is this is your trifecta of of you know trying to figure it out in the front court and whether they're double bigs or whether it's um again just sort of trying to keep the ball movement and keep the floor spaced I, i do think porzingis will be a good fit while he's out there but it's about having the right attitude, which he says he will. I'll, you know, believe it until being shown otherwise. You know, I, I, I think he's coming in with the right mindset, and we go from there. Justin, I think, sorry, um, just quick, really quickly. One thing to keep in mind as well is that this is pretty clearly the best team that Kristaps Porzingis has ever played on from a roster standpoint. Um, I, I would, I would hope he would be excited about playing on this team, given all of that. And I think one thing that I will be interested to see in is, again, knock on wood, assuming he stays healthy, um, what sides of his game might we see on a roster that is as loaded as this one that we kind of haven't seen before? Because I think there might be somebody a little more versatile than we may be given credit for. And I'm going to transition to you, Justin, for that. Yeah, actually, that touches on what I'm most excited to see about this. And, you know, to be clear, he was brought on... uh, with an eye to breaking up the late game, uh, shall we say, lack of cohesive uh, offense that the Celtics have exhibited in really high leverage moments for several seasons now. But he also brings a really good defensive presence. He is a better rim protector, according to Synergy, than Rob Williams is. Uh, mm-hmm. 
he's longer. Uh, this team itself is incredibly long. That seems to be the running theme of just about everybody who's come on to it. They occupy a lot of space. They experimented with the zone. I think we are going to see some very creative stuff on the defensive end that is going to surprise people. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Adam, to your point, like he's basically Latvian Chris Bosch, right? He is the one who probably has to take a step back. But at the same time, on offense and defense, whether at the nail or in the post, he's logically the anchor. Um, yeah, I don't know if last season you said Grant Williams is the the successor to Al Horford. I would have said great, and instead they found Chris Stapps Porzingis. That's pretty good. So let's assume health. I think there's a lot of ways that this could be funky in a cool way, and you know maybe funky in a weird way. All right, to the benefit of time, let's do these ones quicker. Um, mm. So I'm going to pepper them a little more. And also because it's the offseason, we've talked about these things already so many times. Uh, Adam, big deal, little deal, no deal that there's a leadership void in the Celtics locker room. Uh, little deal, little, little deal to big deal. Definitely not no deal. Little deal to big deal. They've, you know, we just don't, again, I, I keep saying like, we don't know because, you know, we're not behind closed doors, but we know that they have definitely lost their two most vocal public leaders in Marcus Smart and Grant Williams. What we don't know behind the scenes is to what degree Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Al Horford, some of these other guys are leaders. And I just believe, I don't know, like I, I've never played in the NBA or, or college basketball or any high level of anything, but you know, I, I think, I just feel like you can't have everyone can't be a lead by example guy. You need to have someone that at least every once in a while is going to raise his voice and command the room. And when he talks, we listen and maybe they do. Maybe one of those guys is that guy, but until we kind of see it in practice, now that smart is gone, because smart preceded all of them. Smart was the longest tenured Celtic and always, and I, I say this in a, a loving way, had a big mouth. He's mm -hmm. gone now. And so whoever it is that's going to attempt to fill some semblance of that void, it's going to be interesting how that plays itself out because it's got to be someone beyond the coaching staff. It has to be a player. Yeah, it's true. Smart and Grant were first to talk, but that doesn't mean other people were particularly hip to listen. Uh, mm -hmm. and, oh, that's all I'll say about that. Um, Justin, same question about the so-called defensive void that Smart and Grant have created. Well, I mean, I think you can tell them pretty excited to see the defensive identity of this team. I am a lot less worried about that. There are certain matchups like stopping Giannis uh, without Marcus Smart on the team, uh, without Grant in particular on the team is going to be particularly interesting. Uh, I guess you can really say stopping, but slowing him down. I don't really want to see someone with rickety legs like Kristaps trying to slow him down. I'm going to be real curious to see how much they use Al Horford in, in a role like that this season, particularly in the regular season, uh, because, you know, we kind of have this like really rickety tripod of a front court and like usage and situational problems, I think, are going to present unique challenges, particularly if somebody's sitting out a night on a back to back or, God forbid, is injured. Yeah, I suspect O'Shea Brissett or Luke Cornett are going to have a shocking amount of minutes some games in the front court or we'll finally see Tatum at the four more frequently um because to your point just between Rob Williams Al Horford and Kristaps Porzingis there's just it doesn't seem possible that all three will be available most of the time um Adam shelving that let's assume health mm. you can only I assume you're only gonna first thing with this team yeah. to assume health. never have I made more of an ass of you and me with that one but whatever um how, you can't start, I don't think, Porzingis, Williams, and Horford. Maybe you can. Mm -mm. Who are you starting and who are you bringing off the bench? Well, I think it's going to be White's your point guard. Something that, honestly, and we've talked a lot about this on Celtics Beat, I'm I'm a little apprehensive about. I, I think I've, I've pissed off a lot of fans along the way in expressing my apprehensiveness uh, about that. Uh, a lot of people are ready for the Derek White uh, starting point guard era. And I just, I don't know, after they dealt smart, I kind of thought they'd go out and get a, a, another starting point guard. And obviously they didn't, they believe in Derek and, 
and great we'll see how it goes but i, I think you know it's it's white it's brown it's tatum so that's three right there and then uh you know despite all of the point tatum talk that's been going around i don't think he's your starting point guard even if he's bringing the ball up the floor a lot or or the you know offense is running through him or something like that i i don't think he is your point guard i think that's Derek white and then at that point in time you have you know porzingis for sure and then it's Honestly, it's it's probably Will uh, Williams with uh, Rob Williams with without Horford coming off the bench. If if I were to now, it it may not start that way. It may start with Al Horford and Rob Williams coming off the bench and then evolves it, into that. But I, I think ultimately that's the direction that we're going to be heading. Anyone else have a different opinion? I, I mean, I, it's just it's impossible to know right now. I tend to, at least right now, slightly lean towards, I think, Porzingis and Horford are both going to be starting. Um, I think Horford as a kind of fifth starter glue guy really makes a lot of sense with who he is at this time in his career. Um, And I think we're a little bit sleeping on just how good of a defender Al Horford has been for these past two years. I totally get the idea of reducing his minutes. He definitely clearly wore down by the end of the season last year in the playoffs. But I think the idea of having Horford to kind of set the tone in the starting lineup on the defensive end, even if he's playing, you know, say 20-ish minutes a game in the regular season, makes a lot of sense to me. I think Joe Mazzula tended to use Robert Williams off the bench a lot anyways last year. And I would be a little surprised if Rob is in the starting lineup opening. I, it could change. I think uh, to your point, Adam, there's definitely a world where by the end of the season, it makes more sense to start Rob, but at least at the beginning, if you're going for consistency and if you're going for defense presence, I think Horford's going to be your man. Dr. Gwynn, I'll just put you on the spot. We'll end with this one. What's your ideal starting front court? My ideal starting front court really would be what Alex is talking about, just because you have the shooting as well as the defense. And they're they're complementary defensive players. One can guard the perimeter, whereas one is terrible at the perimeter. Uh, that being Przingis, in case it's not clear. So I would like to see that, but I do think we might even see him as much as 25 minutes. I do think they're going to try to give Al his starting role in kind of like something like a, a 5.5-ish man, like not quite a six man in that he probably spends as much time with the second unit, even though he's starting and he plays 20 to 25 minutes a game. Yeah, it doesn't seem like for so many reasons, it doesn't seem possible, but like Al Horford, six man of the year is Could an happen. interesting premise to me. Um hmm. Speaking of which, Kaufman, uh, you mentioned Brogdon shot like lights out last year. So did Al Horford. I don't have the exact number in front of me. Al Horford shot something like 57.8% from corner threes uh, yeah. on the right side of the court, which is just gangbusters. Uh, and on that happy note, I'm going to. It was pre playoffs, of course. <laughs> uh, on that less happy note, uh, <laughs> never uh, talk about a good streak. Just don't do it. Do not. Yeah. Yeah, man, that, that sucked, didn't it? Anyways, let's pause the action with one last thing. Um, Adam, hmm. since May, I've recently learned, uh, you have been the host of the show, The Gambler, with Adam Goffman. First of all, plug the show. But second of all, show us how good you are at this stuff by talking us through Jason Tatum's MVP odds. I'll tell you that our friends over at FanDuel have him at the fourth best odds. He's a plus 800. So plug the show. Show us what you got. Uh, well, the show is 10 to midnight, Monday to Thursday, WRKO, or of course, streaming uh, with, you know, as, as we like to say, uh, anyone who, who hosts a, a radio show, a podcast, anything that's available on the internet, we're worldwide, right? So uh, you can get us on, uh, uh, it's WRKO.com slash bet is the direct link, or obviously if you have an Alexa smart speaker, just say, you know, play WRKO on iHeartRadio. That's where you can find us. But again, 10 to midnight. Monday to Thursday uh, podcast of each show is released. And I, I generally put that out on Twitter after the fact. So uh, subscribe to that while also subscribing to Celtics lab and Celtics beat and all of that good stuff. We appreciate that. Uh, as far as MVP odds, I think it's interesting. So I haven't looked at it recently. I've been so sort of focused on football who, uh, you know, so he's fourth. You mentioned sure, I can uh, walk you through what it. Are the top three odds right in front of him looking like. Jokic is plus 430, which in the coaches survey that ESPN just had, he won the MVP in that. Giannis yeah. is a plus 500. 
Luca is a plus 650. Tatum, again, fourth with a plus 800. And right behind him is Embiid, plus 850. I will say Steph Curry plus 1600. That feels like good value. I'm not an expert in this forum, but that feels like great value. Yeah, I mean, well, it is great value for sure. I mean, the basically it's the way it works, especially with futures odds is, you know, if, if you can talk yourself into something actually being a possibility and the number makes sense, you know, something like that, like it's it's, you know, I had uh, on, on my show, we were doing a whole lot of NFL season previews and there was there were multiple guests making the case for you know the patriots at plus 800 at the time to win the division because you know the number was just so good it wasn't necessarily yeah. oh yeah i really truly believe that's going to happen but i could see a path i could see a world where it's plausible and therefore might be worth a little sprinkle on that number because the number's just so good you know at, at plus 800 for jason tatum to win mvp you know obviously we're talking about a completely different type of award and situation it's a good number for sure. Uh, I, I think that it's, you know, if you're sort of thinking about the, the season playing out, you know, that number is uh, going to get worse. And when I say worse, I mean, to the better it's, you know, it could move to, you know, plus 600 plus 500. If in fact he gets off to a really hot start and he's averaging 30 points out of the gate and the Celtics are really good. And then, you know, you've lost value obviously. So, you know, if you believe that Jason Tatum, is capable of winning MVP and we know he's capable of winning MVP and he's only going to get better the next couple of years as he gets into those prime years that we talked about, you know, unless he gets off to a slow start to the year where he's sort of stumbling out of the gate, not shooting well, he's averaging 22 points a game as opposed to 28 Celtics are floundering. They're above 500 or, you know, around 500 kind of look the way they did the, you know, very beginning of the Ime Odoka season as compared to the very beginning of the first Joe Missoula season, then, yeah, the number is going to improve to you as a better. And it's going to go to plus 1,100, 1,200, 1,500, whatever it is, based on everybody's performances around it. So I, I think plus 800 is pretty good out of the gate for Tatum because I do think he's going to be good out of the gate, and therefore that number is uh, going to get less advantageous. All right, super helpful. I mean... Yeah, it's a little it's a little early to uh, make any proclamation, but if you're yeah. feeling bullish on that, make a move. Um, so, uh, Justin, I feel like we'll wrap it there. There's not that much we can say about what ownership is up to yet. Only time will tell what to expect from this coaching staff. So uh, rather than make proclamations, we can't back up yet. I am instead going to remind folks that this episode of the Celtics Lab podcast was brought to you by FanDuel the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network and AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. We've been talking to Adam Kaufman. You know him from The Gambler with Adam Kaufman. You know him from Celtics Beat Podcast. You know him from so much more. Adam, thanks for stopping by. Pleasure's mine. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Adam. Alrighty, folks. This time next week, there will have been a media day and we will have platitudes and quotes that don't mean much to chew through. Or maybe Malcolm Brogdon will finally say something. And uh, we can put a bow on this one. How's Everyone's that? in the best shape of their lives. Get ready. And who knows what team he could be saying it for? <laughs> Spicy. Welcome to Boston, buddy. Healed. Alrighty. Until next week. Thanks for listening to the Celtics Podcast. Like and subscribe if you haven't. And we will catch you next week. Adios.